Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Charged Up Studio Live, where small business owners get charged up for success. Are you a small business owner? Do you find yourself struggling through the many responsibilities that come with the title entrepreneur? Well, we're here for you. Charged Up Studio is hosted by Marketatomy LLC. Your prescription for what we call OPA. What is OPA? It's when you become so overwhelmed with the confusion that comes with business ownership that you become paralyzed and ultimately avoid doing anything in hopes it will take care of itself or you put it off till later. Does that sound familiar? I'm your host, Dan Olivo, and each week, We bring a business professional eager to charge you up as they talk about the many things that keep you from moving forward with your small business. So are you ready to get charged up for success? Let's hit it. So welcome back to Charged Up Studio, where we bring you insightful conversations with industry leaders and experts across the U.S. I'm Dana Olivo, your host, and we are continuing our focus this month on unleashing creative entrepreneurship and transforming visions into reality. This week's episode is This week's episode is dedicated to those who believe that creativity isn't just a spark, but a flame that can be nurtured and grown. In a world where thinking differently is often the key to success, we, our guest today stands out as a champion for fostering creativity within the small business ecosystem. As someone who has broken the conventional barriers, he has become a beacon for free thinking and the way we approach business culture, especially in the smaller enterprise landscape. Michael Dietrich Chastain is with ARC Integrated and is an acclaimed author, speaker, and thought leader in the world of creativity and innovation. An expert on peak performance in the workplace, Michael is passionate about helping leaders and teams create a company culture, creating company cultures of engagement, sustainability, and purpose. As an executive coach, international speaker, and facilitator, he has worked with global 100 companies uh, with hundreds of thousands of employees to family-owned businesses and everything in between. So let's all give a charged up studio welcome to Mr. Michael Dietrich Chastain. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much, Dana. It's nice to see you. It's good to be here with you. You too. I'm really glad you're here today. Um, and I'm ready to kick this off in a uh, an exciting and uh, engaging way here. Okay, so right. but before we, I'm ready. <laughs> all right. 
before we get started, I always ask the same question of all of my guests. And so are you ready? It's to kind of give our audience a little insight into who you are. Okay, that sounds all good. Right. So if you could go back in time and give your young self some solid advice, what advice would you give him and at what age? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a great question. I think what comes to mind would be earlier in my, well, gosh, <laughs> I suppose for everybody, if we could revisit our younger selves, there'd probably be hundreds or thousands of things we could say at all sorts of ages. So I'll preface it with that. But the, uh, the thing that's in my, in the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey, starting out in business. So this is maybe, maybe 10 plus years ago. Uh, two things I would say, I would say, trust yourself. And I would say, it's all going to work out. It's okay. <laughs> Don't be so anxious. <laughs> That's true. That's, That's what comes true. to mind. You know, we do. We Sometimes we worry about the smallest things and they do. You know, it's, it's like I always say, um, there's a reason for everything and the signs are there. If you don't pay attention to the signs, it's going to continue to eat you up. You know? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. I yeah. agree. So rather than our regular question and answer approach to this podcast, I'd like to delve into the topic from a cultural barrier position. Okay. What that mm. means is I'm going to pose our questions in the form of a complaint often heard within the business environment. And you can respond in kind with your thoughts or solutions. Is that okay? Yeah, that sounds like fun. Sounds like sounds like every week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. Great. And I think our audience can relate to these as opposed to just me asking questions. Okay. Yeah, so I bet they can. Is, right. Yeah, this is coming from the, the leadership or, or the higher echelon C levels. People aren't performing at the level I like. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, people aren't performing at the level I'd like. Well, maybe, maybe for some context, I'll just say that uh, we have a consultancy. We're in Asheville, North Carolina. It's called ARC Integrated. And we help leaders, teams, and workplace cultures become peak performing. And uh, one of the things I always say to, to clients, because we're talking to leaders all, all day, um, is that there's a, there's a pretty clear ingredient list of what it takes to create a really healthy and high-performing culture that has good retention and has you know a, an attraction mechanism for really good talent and good leadership and good team performance rules. And so it's almost like there isn't there isn't really a, a mystery anymore about how to do it well and what are the things that you know to to really get it wrong. And so that's the good news. The the, the challenging news is that it's complicated because human behavior is complicated. And so the way that we serve clients is we're doing coaching and or training uh, with them around topics like communication, change management, emotional intelligence. So this question back to your, to your complaint that people aren't performing at the level that I'd like, uh, there's usually potentially a few reasons for that. And it varies on the business, but it could be that they're disengaged from the work that they're doing because maybe they're not the right fit for the position that they're in. It could be that they have some kind of 
resentment or anger or frustration that they either haven't communicated yet or they have resistance to communicating because the culture isn't set up in a way that is safe and open to that kind of communication. So that could be a reason, right? It could be that there's someone on their team that this is a, is a frustration, right? That's causing a, a resistance to performing at a high level. Um, it could be that the leader themselves um, is not uh, either, not either communicating well or not giving people the support that they need or the training that they need or the detail that they need in order to perform at the highest level. So oftentimes in, in summary, what I would say is it often comes down to the conversations that are or are not happening as a predictor for performance. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, and, and I can relate to all of those when I'm working with my clients, because a lot of times as a strategist, this is what I hear is, you know, uh, you know, come to me, you know, my sales department isn't doing, you know, meeting their goals or this or that. And they're not exploring what the potential underlying problem is. Yeah. And that's what needs to, so. So again, coming from the boss's standpoint, okay, my employees don't understand my expectations, which seem so straightforward to me. Yeah. I know the number one issue with this. So tell me what your thoughts are. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of, a lot of things I could point to. The one that comes to mind that we see often is a mismatch in communication style. So the reason the reason people often get into conflict is not because of the content, but because of the context or the process, right? And so I'll, I'll make up a scenario, and this is probably resonate for some folks that are listening. If a leader is very directive, very results oriented, very like you know to the point, which is a fine style to have, but the person that they're talking to is more relationally driven and they they need to have a little bit more connection and a little bit more of a relationship in order to hear content, then that's going to be a mismatch. Similarly, if someone is very, very detail oriented and needs to understand kind of the why and the, and the, and the minutia of things in order for it to land and for that to really effectively process, and they're met with someone that just gives them high level information and just, you know, here's, here's the target, go hit it kind of thing. That's also going to be a mismatch and, and again, result in, you know, one person feeling like they've said exactly what they need to say and the other person feeling like they haven't been told anything at all. Right, right. And, you know, a lot of that, I mean, if we look at our, our relationships in life in general, we yeah. go through that with, with our husbands, our wives, our, 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 you know, our partners, you know, our kids, you know, 100%. It's, just amazing. It's not just work. It's just hearing it clearly in a language that you understand. And that's important to keep in mind is the fact the language you're using has to be receptive or received the same way it's delivered. When you talk about clear communication and a perfect book that I have read that I recommend to everybody is the five love languages. Oh, love it. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. We recommend that one a lot. Oh, yeah. That's exactly yeah, wonderful. it. And you wonderful. said it earlier, we're, we're all different. None of us are carbon copies of anything. And we yeah. have to, you know, uh, create a culture where our, our communication styles are received. Yeah. You know? 
You, you know, I love that you said how, how if we do, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, but you, we do good work in business and in leadership, like that carries over to our personal lives. Yeah. Right. With our, our spouse, our friends, our families. And, um, you know, one of the things that we really stand by and like hold the torch for is this idea that businesses can be vehicles for positive change in the world. And we truly believe that. And, and that's, that's how we approach the client work that we do is that we're teaching teams and leaders around how to have more effective, you know, productive and income producing companies. Right. But the way that we're doing that is we're creating healthy systems and a healthy system that flourishes, has great practices of communication, has really good accountability, has really good boundaries, has really good encouragement and balance of challenge, right? And that's in the rules of a healthy system are the rules of a healthy system, no matter what it is, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship, a team, an organization, or a family. And so I, I love that you bring that up because that's something that we're, we're really passionate about our teachings in and our coaching. And, and so I just, I appreciate you saying it. No, and that's true. You know, I've got a, a a retreat I'm going to for one of my clients next week. And um, they have just, we've renegotiated the contract and they want me to basically serve a position of um, uh, client engagement, client um, uh, customer experience. Okay. And mm. I love what you're talking mm. about in the sense where, all right, connecting with them and what their expectations are. It's the same thing in the work environment. You have to connect with what the expectations on the employee side or the contractor side or whatever, as well mm -hmm. as what your needs are and how do you communicate yeah. that? You know, that's exactly yeah, that. Well, yeah, well said. Yeah, it's a good balance yeah. between those. Yeah. So here we are on the employee side, okay? My mm. boss is toxic and nothing I've tried is working. I can relate to this so well. Mm. I could, I've got a story for this, but tell me what your thoughts are. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's funny you're, you're asking that one because this just came up recently. I was talking to somebody about this and whenever we're coaching or, you know, individuals that are inside a company, which happens less, you know, because we're typically working with, you know, C-suite leaders, but if we're coaching an employee, um, sometimes their expectation will be for us to always say, rah, rah, stay at the company, you know, no matter what, at all costs, stay at the company. Um, and, and the reality is, is that's never our, our answer. And so our, our, but our, but our answer is always some version of, you know, understand what you can control and what you can't control. You know, do, be a be a positive driver and and influence the company as much as you can, right? In in, in the ways in which that you know you 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 want to create the environment that you're in, you know, have strong conversations with with a boss if if the employee feels the boss is toxic, like be willing to have those transparent conversations and talk through it. And and ultimately, though, if you feel like you've done all those things and you're in a system that still is a mismatch maybe for your values or you feel you're being mistreated or whatever it is, if it's a mismatch, then it's probably time to go. And, um, and it's in sometimes employees feel surprised by that comment, but, you know, interestingly, our stance is that that's a win both for the employee and for the employer, right? Because if you have an employee that's disgruntled or, or upset or feels that it's a toxic place, they're not going to be a very good performer and 
they're going to be unhappy. So eventually it, it's, it's the decision of, okay, here and the win for the employer is that they get someone else in that position that is more of a match. And the win for the employee, obviously, right, is that they get to go find an environment that's better suited for them. Right. Definitely. Definitely. You know, like I said, I have a story. I have a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. Corporate America. Let's, let's hear, but, let's hear one. Yeah. Let's hear one. So, so my story is, um, uh, just before I started my company, um, I was working with a very, uh, very large construction management company. And um, I was in this, uh, the business development marketing position. And when I was hired with this company, had I known they had no systems or processes in place, I might have thought twice about going over to them, you know. Mm. Uh, but what happened is it ended up uh, once I spent six months putting the systems in place and everything um, was when the recession started kicking in. Mm. And when that started kicking in, there were pe my, my support help was pulled away and my workload jumped up and the professional that I am, I'm doing whatever I can. And I'm trying to communicate to the bosses that guys, I can't take on anymore. And how many of us out there can can relate to this? The fact that yeah. you know you just keep saying yes, 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 and mm -hmm. when you should be saying no, no, no. I can't do yeah. anymore. Finally, mm -hmm. um, understand this is a construction management firm, very heavily male oriented, mm -hmm. and I finally was complaining to my husband, and I said, you know, what do I need to do to get across to them that look? You know, you've got to be more strategic in this. He says, you got to treat this like a business presentation. Mm -hmm. You put a PowerPoint together. You show them what you're putting out and what you're bringing in and all of this other stuff. And you show them that you're at your limit. Yeah, love that. So it's a communication style. I had to communicate in a way that they were going to understand, not a female mm -hmm in a male-dominated environment complaining about my workload. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's that, that's a great, it's a great story and it's super, super common. We see that we see that dynamic a lot where there's, you know, an, an employee that has a certain workload and a perception from leadership that's just different. And it's in a lot of times it's it's not even a it's not even a position of malice or anything. It's just it's just that they don't understand because they're not in touch with that particular level of employee, for instance. And so I, I love your example. And that's a great strategy to be able to kind of lay it out to say, hey, here's what's here's what's going on at this level of the organization so that they get line of sight to it. And I'm guessing that probably was an, an effective path for you. No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Communicate. Whether they responded the way I wanted them to is another story. So right. I understand we were going through a recession there. Um, but anyway, yeah, fair, but that fair. does lead into the next statement that I have, which is from the CEO, C-level. You know, mm -hmm. I'm so wrapped up in the details of the business that I can't focus on the vision. Yeah, Can yeah, some, sometimes. Do, yeah. Mm -hmm. So talk about that. Yeah. yeah, sometimes this happens. And I, and I think there's always, you know, regardless of the size of the organization, and we've we've worked with a lot of varying sizes. So I think about some clients that we have, and they've got you know a dozen employees, and other 
clients we're working with, they have many tens of thousands and sometimes hundreds of thousands of employees, but there's a dynamic at play that you're speaking to that happens at all levels of an organization, which is the idea of, of relinquishing of power. Yeah. And yeah. at, you know, when, when, it, when a CEO or when a C-suite person is struggling with this kind of minutia of detail or overwhelm, um, what we find is that there's, there's often a few things at play. There's maybe some more delegation that needs to happen, maybe some letting go of power. And there's, there's, there's a, there's some unique differences between those two things, which I'll, I'll talk about for a second. You know, delegation is often very kind of structured and here's the behaviors and deadlines and things that, that we need to do. And here's how we're going to check in on that task or, or, you know, ask that we have relinquishing of power. We see that manifest is in the context of a mindset, which comes with delegation, but is, is separate from and the mindset of letting go and trying that others can do as good or maybe even better than I can do, it happens, happens at, all, at all levels. And so in the, third, in the third thing I would say about kind of the, the C-suite person that's just overwhelmed that they're doing too much is uh, stress management practices, which we talk about with all the leaders that, that we serve. And as, you know, as I'm sure anybody that's listening, like stress, you know, stress is a constant for all of us. Um, and the good news is, is that there are very clear things we can do that not only help reduce our stress, but with that escalate performance significantly, because those things probably obviously have an inverse relationship. Yes. And then also, you know, with the, the changes in how business is done nowadays since COVID and a lot of Zoom and, and virtual meetings and things like that, the reason you know, a perfect example is the reason we're having a face-to-face -face retreat next week with my client is we've been trying to develop a full uh, systemized approach and process improvement um, mm. program for this, this client and doing it virtually is not working. Yeah. We, we need to be in the same room. We need to be doing a, a, a mastermind of sorts to kind of, you know, get that feedback. So, it's important when we're talking about delegation, when we're talking about, okay, job capacity and, and the communication levels and, and things like that, it's important to remember that there are times when you have to do face-to-face. -face. You know, it's, it's too easy to um, glance over the important aspects when we're dealing in a virtual environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we see that. We see that all the time. And, and again, at all levels of business, I was just on a call today with someone talking about planning for an upcoming, you know, in-person in conference. And, you know, I think the trends we're seeing are like this, this leaning into a combination of leveraging the virtual tools. But to your point, recognizing that, gosh, there's there's a lot of benefit of being in person, um, not the least of which is just the the appreciation that people wow. have. Yeah, yeah. The, for, yeah, exactly. The camaraderie and, you know, and there's a certain, there's a certain just difference in, in whatever it is, the, the energy, the communication, the eye contact, the body language, all these things that are, are so meaningful that you, you know, you can't get quite as much of in the virtual right. world. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. You know, and, and I'm seeing that with my clients and I'm, and, and more and more, I am encouraging them to, you know, 
break out of the virtual mold where you can yeah. and and you get into some team building, get into some, you know, I've got a, um, uh, the first live annual strategic planning retreat I'm doing um, since pre-COVID because COVID just kind of shut everything down. And that's happening in um, November. But with that being, when we're talking annual strategic planning, we're talking a very intensive mind um, uh, engaging strategic process. So what we're doing is we're incorporating into this retreat a mental health retreat. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that way they can do their planning, but at the same time, they can focus on themselves and re-energize in between the strategic planning, which is what we need to do with business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, and to to your point, specifically when it comes to doing really intense creative thinking and strategizing and innovating, you know, the benefit of doing that in a space where there's no other distractions, you don't have, you know, you, you don't have all the things either in your home or in your office that you would otherwise, and you're separate from all the interruptions from whatever it is, family at home or, you know, coworkers or employees, that is a huge, huge benefit. And um, yeah, I, I, I would have, I have that same position that whenever we're doing intense activities like that, ideally it's offsite of the, yes. of the company, or if that's not possible, you know, some kind of isolated area uh, within the, you know, the, the company's building. No, I, I fully agree. You know, this is being held in a retreat atmosphere. It's got nature trails. It's got lakes. It's got, you know, it's almost like a camping environment, you know. That's the best. Yeah, that's which the is best. what we need. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Love that. So, um, but anyway, for any of those out there that are interested in finding out more information, you can reach out to me, but it will happen the 13th, 14th, and 15th of November. Okay. Um, Just reach out to me at dana.olivo at marketatomy.com. All right. So again, let's talk about from the um, CEO level. And, and I want to emphasize the importance of bringing this in early on in your business um, uh, growth process. I don't mm-hmm. know how to get my team to be as committed to the vision as I am. Yeah. Yeah. To, to your point about bringing it in early, um, one of the things we always tell clients is that you know, people stand by what they create or what they co-create. And so when it comes to something like visioning or creating values for a culture or establishing principles or rules of conduct, you know, there's this, there's this kind of old school thinking that that needs to come from the C-suite and that needs to come from a few people in a room kind of muddling it over. Uh, But the reality is, you know, whenever possible, if we can have conversations about what this means together and ultimately have input. And that doesn't mean, you know, if you have a company of 5,000, that doesn't mean you can have all 5,000 people in a room, but you could have, and we've done this, you could have representatives from various silos of the company come into an event that's maybe a hundred or 200. And then you're, and you're, you're crowdsourcing ideas around how, how to create culture or vision or values and then that gets disseminated to the rest of the, in this example, 5,000, that's 
that's a that's a big difference it is than you know a couple a couple of people having you know having to just to just to give their input and then and then you're the recipient of it and what happens when you're just it's it's just it's just like be basic human behavior like when you're told something when you're told to do something without being asked or without having any kind of input your immediate reaction is going to be resistance it's is right that's exactly yeah yeah Yeah, but but if i ask if i asked first if i said hey you know dana what do you think about this vision that we have for 2025 what are your reactions to it even if I just asked that simple question, and then I said, thanks so much for your input. What I'm hearing you say is dot, dot, dot. What would you think if we implemented this? And yeah. then you'd say, yeah, great. Thanks for asking me, Michael. And then we do it. And, and I haven't changed. And this is important. I haven't changed anything about no. the initiative. I've just asked you a question instead. Yeah. So it's a, just a different delivery mechanism. And I would say, I would say that that little example of just asking is you know, not quite as good as co-creating things together, but it's still, it's still like a, you know, it's a, it's a second, it's kind of a plan B Um, for, for companies that are smaller. If you have a company that's say under a few hundred, this is huge opportunity that is not taken advantage of this business of co-creating vision or co-creating values or cultural principles. It's enormous. And it's probably obvious that at smaller scales, you can really dig into people's wisdom, people's opinions, and and then put together really clear action plans because you've got a smaller ecosystem to deal with. So I'll, no, I'll pause there. This stuff's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love when you start talking about this because, you know, I, I do it, deal with it on a daily basis with my clients and stuff like that is, you know, helping them understand, you know, you as the business owner, you are the whole heart of your company. It's your passion that drives that company. If you can't communicate that passion to your employees, how are they going to buy into it? And one of the ways is to engage them and have them feel as though they're part of the company. You know, that's it. Um, and that's what you're talking about here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, uh, here we are talking from the CEO level again, or maybe even this could be from the employee level or, you know, contractor level. All we're doing is running around, putting out fires instead of being focused on what we could be doing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, that is the whole reason for this retreat next week is it had gotten to the point where they were putting out more fires than they were doing selling you know, or mm-hmm. doing what they really needed to do. So um, yeah, so talk to that a little bit. Yeah. So this is great. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you kind of a longer answer here and I'm going to point to some yeah. research, which comes from um, listeners have probably heard the term, or maybe some have heard the term psychological safety. And that comes, it originates from from someone named Dr. Amy Edmondson, who's a professor at Harvard. And she did this research in the 90s and asking the question, what are the predictors of the highest performing cultures and teams in the world? Is it their IQ? Is it their geography? Is it their, you know, they go out for beers on the weekends? You know, what's the thing that makes the teams the best? Right. And her research determined that, uh, yeah, her, her research determined that it's psychological safety. And essentially all that means is that you know people can feel heard and they can feel that their ideas are you know considered and they can get into conflict and it's not going to mean their job and these are all ingredients of psych safety 
So interestingly, in the in the leadership space, this term is is uh, it's kind of buzzy right now. It's kind of hot, um, but it, there it's all there's also a lot of misconception around it. And so essentially what, what, it, what you want to have ideally for the highest performing team is this blend between a lot of challenge and accountability on if you were to draw like a little, like a little uh, X and Y axis on one side of the X and Y axis is challenge and accountability. And on the other side, care or psychological safety, right? And the, the idea to this point of firefighting is that oftentimes firefighting comes from a lot of care and a lot of safety in a group, but not a lot of accountability and challenge. What that does culturally is it creates a culture of drama. And so what we what we see often with a culture, and it, this, can, this can play out at small scale and at large scale, and we've seen both, is that if there's a lot of firefighting and a lot of drama and a lot of chasing, you know, chasing our tails, there's usually not accountability and challenge and consequences in play for the employees and leaders of the culture. And so that's a very, it's a very long, long way to answer this question yeah. of how do we, how do we reduce firefighting? But I hope that's helpful. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. You know, like I said, with this client that we're working with next week, you know, it, it basically it boils down to, you know, it started at one program. And over the term of a couple of years, they've added on more value and more value has become very disjointed. And now mm -hmm. we have to look at more of a program manager type, you know, situation, whereas there's one point of contact and that, and that one point of contact is responsible for the experience of the customer. You know, that's yeah. great. That's, so, that's, a, that's a wonderful example of instituting more structure. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really exactly. good example of that. Exactly. So um, here's another situation. The stress of my work life is causing conflict at home. For those mm -hmm. of you who do not believe that home life interferes or overlaps with business life, think again. <laughs> so talk about it, Michael. Yeah. That's great. Well, I, I think, Dana, you and I definitely share this philosophy that there's this total blend between work and home. And, um, and, and that is, you know, that's certainly a philosophy that not everyone shares in our space of doing consulting work. Um, but our position when we work with clients is if we're going to work together, we're, whether we're working or, you know, an individual leader, is that the work is going to be on the person, Right, we're going to help them manage. So we're going to help them communicate more effectively. We're going to in, help improve emotional intelligence, and that's going to have an influence on everything, not just their business and its income production, but it's also going to have an influence on their relationships and the way they set boundaries and the, what they what they decide as priority and and all of that. And so, if you know someone is having this this stress that's going into the work life. Um, or, or vice versa, stress from home coming coming into work, work from uh, stress from work going into the home. Um, it's usually kind of kind of ironically, it's the same conversation. It's you know to be a better leader is to perform better at home too. So what do we need to change about how we manage our stress? What do we need to change about our boundary setting? About how we manage time? About what we're saying yes and no to? About our, the way we're communicating? You know all of these same questions. Uh, right. 
Oh, go right. go in go in both work and home. So it's kind of interesting yeah. that. And it's usually because the same thing happens at home is happening at work. That's right. You know, if it's a communication issue, if it's a um, if it's a, uh, a, a EQ emotional quotient, you know, your emotional intelligence. You know, yeah. maybe you're having doubts about your abilities, and it's it can be at home and at at work. You know, so yeah, exactly so, right. Yeah. So this last question here is probably one that kind of, you know, um, can, can lead to a lot of all of the other efforts that we've been talking about. And mm. what it is, is the boss is saying, I see the potential of massive growth, but we can't move the needle forward with our current players and structure. Mm. Okay. So yep. immediately you start thinking about that and you start thinking change management, yep. turnover and things like yep. that. How do you address this? Yeah, I think I think this one's actually like particularly relevant right now. Yes. Right now. And what I mean by that is like post COVID world. And I say I say that for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I think the like employees and potential employees are looking for a lot more than they previously were. Their standards have gone up. And that means back to culture building and having really healthy workplaces. That's what companies, I think, are going to have to continue to do in order to attract really key talent. So, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, one, you know, two kind of two questions when it comes to having the right players. One is how do we attract really good talent? And then, you know, two, how do we, how do we keep them? And right. the answer is often the same. We have to build really high-performing workplace cultures that are, you know, have all the things that we've been talking about, right? Have great communication, have consideration for mental health, have really good work-life balance institute, have some interesting benefits, perhaps, have opportunity for career progression. You know, uh, some of these ingredients are kind of old standby, but right. um, the this this really this really healthy culture is a big one, and I think the the companies that are leaning into this they're not struggling in the right. ways that, you know, kind of traditional companies where, you know, you do do what I say, not what I do, or, you know, yep. if it kind of authoritarian minded um, ecosystems, those are, those are the ones that are really, that are exactly, that are really struggling. And so, so that would be, you know, that would be one thing I would say. Uh, there's certainly a lot of other interventions here. You know, you could think about how you're, screening we we have these conversations a lot how you're screening for talent what's your interview process like how are you being more strategic with both you know evaluating someone's potential as well as being clear about our you know describing your own culture as a company so that they can determine if that's a good fit for them right and so these are uh yeah these are common conversations that we have yeah, yeah. no definitely definitely all right all right so we're coming up on the end of another episode of Charged Up Studio. And thank you, Michael, for joining us today and shedding light on how we can build a culture that promotes creativity and engagement. How can our audience members find out more about you and Arch? Is it Arc or Arch? What's the name of your company? Arch? Arc Integrated. A-R-C. I thought it was yeah. art, but for some reason, I thought I heard you say arch earlier. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Oh, that's okay. Art yeah, they, yes. No. Yeah, they can go to the website. Uh, it's just arcintegrated.com. 
And I'll give this gift for anybody that's interested in learning more about how they're leading and what that's doing to the bottom line of their company. If they go to arcintegrated.com slash quiz, there's a free leadership quiz. They will receive a customized report after they do it. It's just a few questions, takes about two minutes to complete. And then after that completion, they get a report to say, Here's what you're doing well as a leader. Here's what you might need to improve. And here's, you know, here's, here's some of the, um, you know, the benefits of improving it again, all about, you know, things like retention and improving employee attraction and of course, improving income. So arcintegrated.com slash quiz is that quiz. All right. All right. So any last minute tips you want to leave our, our audience with? Mm. Well, I would, um, I would just encourage if there are, you know, if there are leaders out there from businesses, small or large, be thinking about, you know, what are the things that they're actively doing to create a really high performing culture? And, and I'll, and I'll say this in closing, you know, culture is often defined as, uh, you know, it, it, like we, we set out a time to work on it and maybe the time is strategic planning or the time is, you know, team building events or whatever it is. And we we always tell clients that that's that's the wrong way to think about culture because the reality is is culture is a moving target it's yeah. always going in a direction the question is is it right now moving in a good direction or a bad direction and so that's the that's the question i would invite uh, leaders yeah. to think about right now no definitely definitely so um once again uh, they can reach you through linkedin right sure absolutely LinkedIn, and I will be putting all of his contact information into the transcripts, you know, once this uh, podcast drops, okay? So that concludes our podcast for today. Please leave a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to us on, or go to our Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is a product of Marketatomy LLC and Marketatomy Academy the e-learning system specifically designed for the micro-business owner. For more information and to register for many of our courses, go to Marketatomy, M-A-R-K-E-T-A-T-O-M-Y dot academy. And until next week, go out and have a super charged up week. Talk to you again. Talk to you later. You've been listening to Charged Up Studio Live, the podcast with you, the small business owner in mind, with your host, Dana Olivo. Join us every Tuesday as we bring you valuable tips and insights into many of the topics you don't know you don't know about growing a successful business. Please leave us a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to or visit us on the YouTube or Facebook page and leave a review or subscribe so you don't miss another episode. You can also support us through Patreon by visiting our website, chargedupstudio.live and click on the Patreon link. Until next week, go out and have a charged up week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.